Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, Mosaic. My name is Keller. I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to chapter 12, verse 2. It's also printed behind me if you want to follow along. Um, So let's read. And what more shall I say? For the time would... For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which, sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, <clears throat> despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time for us to gather together. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your servant Joel, that you would use this message to encourage us, to convict us, and to, Lord, um, motivate us and inspire us towards endurance, that you would carry us through just the ins and outs of the difficulties that we all face individually and corporately and in our communities. Um, God, we pray that you would strengthen us for the week ahead. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Keller. Our area each year aside from COVID, hosts roughly the fourth largest marathon uh, in the United States. It's called the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, You start off in Virginia, you kind of cross a bridge and run through Georgetown. The route varies, but you always get to go by all of the monuments. Uh, Then back across a bridge where you may be in a lot of pain uh, around to where it finishes up near the Pentagon. And uh, what makes this marathon so great is its size. Because running a marathon individually by yourself, grinding out 26 miles, is incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. But to get to do it with thousands of other runners 
And moreover, thousands of people who line the course calling out to you, encouragement, exhorting you to keep going, you're doing a great job. There's something that really helps with that. This reminder that you're not in the pain and suffering alone, but there, there are people who call out to you. If you wear a costume, they will call out to you. Go ahead, Spider-Man, one more mile. If you dress as a character of Encanto, they will call out to you. Everyone, I think except for Bruno. If you put your name on your short, even though people don't know you, they will call out your name and encourage you. Keep going. All right, Esther, way to go. Go ahead, Rob, keep running. Or whatever your name is, they will personalize their encouragement to keep you one foot after the other. That support helps in the midst of the difficult challenge of accomplishing a marathon. Who calls out to you in the midst of your hardship? When you are struggling to keep going, when you are facing difficult moments and there's no one around, and in your head you hear voices that say, yeah, just stop. Yeah, I could do something different. Why would you put yourself through this? In the world that we live in, no matter your cultural specifics, there are always going to be pressures and barriers to professing Christian faith. There will be voices inside and out that raise doubts, that throw questions out in front of you, and that can extend as far as persecution for your profession of faith in certain parts of the world. And so to go it alone with any faith commitment is harder than running a marathon. And the author of Hebrews knows that. And he knows that the Christian faith, this idea that I'm professing that Jesus is Lord and that I've been united together with him through faith is not designed to go it your own. Faith, as much as we would like to think, is not designed for you to just figure it out in your head and to make do. Faith is a corporate expression. It's part of something much larger than yourself. And that's why the author of Hebrews is writing to remind you that you are connected to the church and that you are united to a Savior. In chapter 11, sometimes called the faith chapter of the New Testament, and it's called that because not only does it talk a lot about faith, but it's almost like the hall of faith, this uh, biblical theological recounting going all the way back to Abel through Abraham and Sarah to Moses and he gets to the point where it's almost like he runs out of room. He starts unpacking just uh, who it is who is a part of the faith that we are connected to as Christians. And he gets to the point where he says, okay, I don't even have time uh, to cover all of these other people, the part where we started in verse 32. And in chapter 12, there is this flip. He pivots from talking about all of the people in third person, to talking about us. This therefore, in verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
He's emphasizing just how great the cloud of people who have taken up faith in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty, and they have persevered. They have walked the course faithfully, and while they didn't see all of the promises always played out, they maintained a steadfast faith. Moreover, you're surrounded by them now. Their faithfulness and their example calls out to you, so he writes. It's the value of understanding that uh, we're not individuals walking our faith alone, but there are these fellow runners of the race, runners over millennia, runners in different places and times, facing various sets of challenges, sometimes to the point of death, And yet they have faithfully continued forward. And that is what we participate in when we are united to Jesus in faith. We, as a Christian church, are surrounded by witnesses. And the author of Hebrews is almost flipping from recounting the narrative to now dialing in and saying, So let us also including himself, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. There's some direct takeaways of his exhortation for us today. Because of our status in life, uh, because of what we have accomplished or what has been given to us, we may not expect to face many trials And if we do, we often uh, carry with us a measure of confidence uh, that we can overcome those trials, we can network our way through them, or we can pull on the resources that are available to us. For some of us, it may be our family connections that we can lean into to ensure that no matter what, we're going to come out the other side okay. And so because of that reality that we don't always expect to face trials, combined with the individualism and the sense of our own self-reliance, we can sometimes fail to miss what this great cloud of witnesses means for you and I in a walk of faith. So the author here writes to show us that you may get to a point of trial or suffering that you can't overcome, and then what happens? You may get to a point where it is beyond your power to make things work out okay. And if that's the only way in which you've approached life and faith, then you almost hit a wall. What do you do? As a church, when we talk about our value of people, we have in the past talked about the varying ethnicities that make up our church, the various cultures that are represented here, and how they help shine a light sometimes into our blind spots and allow us to see the world through other people's eyes. I have at times talked about our value of people in terms of generational value. Those of you who are here who have lived a little bit of life, 
who know what the Cold War is, uh, who have seen the ups and downs of the realities of uh, being involved in business ventures to navigating school to trying to have a family to balancing all of these things together, you bring great value because of the perspective that it sheds uh, or, or shares with those who are just starting out, who are just trying to figure out what, uh, how I can manage school, or who have just gotten married and they struggle to know, how am I going to do this? Well, it helps when someone has walked 30 years of faithful and reasonably healthy marriage to be able to come alongside. There is this generational value of people. Well, there is also this corporate value for us. That is, Mosaic Silver Spring is not just a church for Montgomery County. We're not merely a member of the Potomac Presbytery, uh, which is part of the Presbyterian Church of America. That is our denominational connection, for sure. But that there is a broader church beyond us, where we can sing songs and remind ourselves that Christianity is not merely articulated in English. We could confess together our faith through the Apostles' Creed and recognize that across uh, time and crisis, Christians have clung tightly to the triune God's work in our lives. That helps us as a church when we can take up certain theological issues and give them too much focus, or when we can be anxious Uh, about smaller things, that broader connection can show us just what faithful Christians have had to face and how God has preserved them. That's what it means to be connected to a church, is that we are all together united to the one Savior. That's how the author of Hebrews continues on. He says, Well, how do we keep running with endurance, the race that's set before us? Looking to Jesus. And that looking there has a connotation of not just a sense of direction, but a sense of faith. A sense of, this is how I'm going to orient my life, maybe, is a way to translate it. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This facing difficult times, Christianity doesn't exempt you from that. The difficulties vary for sure. But the author of Hebrews points to Jesus and the reality that in the incarnation he gave up status to take on humanity. And that he lived faithfully in the face of persecution, giving up his point, giving up his life the point of death on the cross and the shame that would come with it. We are united to this Savior, the one who out of love and care for you and I ran the race ahead of us, finished it, and has circled back to come alongside each of you When you are united together with Jesus and you participate in the life of the church, in effect, that is the picture that the author of Hebrews is painting for each of you this morning. That when you navigate life, you not only are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who call out encouragement to persevere in the face of difficulty, but Jesus himself has completed the race and circled back and promises to be with us until the end. 
and he knows where the finish line is. He has faithfully run the race. He has been raised from the dead. He now lives to mediate for us. He now lives to come alongside you and I when we've been united together with him. We are not alone. This uh, past week, with all that is happening in Ukraine, one of the most moving things that I've seen is where people have to say goodbye to their family to serve and protect their homes when they send their children off and stay courageously. That in and of itself is incredibly moving. But there's one other thing that has moved me, and that is the testimony of Christian witness in Ukraine, singing songs and praying together in a language that I don't understand, and yet I recognize they are professing faith in Jesus. They are trying to persevere in the midst of an invading army. They are holding on and taking one day at a time in the trials and tribulations that they face, throwing off a sense of self-importance or a sense of selfish care, but rather loving one another motivated by faith. And as an American watching these things unfold, it can be really hard because you see that you are moved by it. This is kind of part of the benefit of living in a technological world, and yet you feel so powerless to do anything with it. But the example that they're setting is instructive for you and I and how we take on the challenges that we face in our own lives. Let me put it this way. The author of Hebrews is writing to introduce us to the women and men of faith who for millennia have walked through trials to the point of death, clinging tightly to God's promises for them. And that as part of the church, that has continued on to this day in Ukraine where people are facing life and death and they're doing it, clinging to the promises of Jesus professing faith in him and singing together saying, this is our ultimate hope. How much more then, when we face the challenges of setting aside our own self-importance to uh, love our neighbors well, or uh, navigating the difficult, and I admit it, sometimes very difficult relational realities in marriages and friendships to try to persevere in a faithful and upright way. Or the overwhelming anxiety of things in our life that we don't control, whether it's what other people are doing or parents, what is happening with your kids and what you do with that. The author of Hebrews is writing to bring it home for us that for thousands of years, people have navigated those realities by clinging tightly to Jesus. Even today, across our world, people are clinging tightly to the realities of facing death through faith in Jesus so that we can be reminded this morning as you leave out of this building that if you have turned to faith in Jesus, you are now united to him and a part of a church, you are not alone. And whatever the anxious realities are that you face, how much more can you be encouraged that you are a part of something bigger? And that the resurrected Jesus by the power of his spirit has come alongside you.
you don't navigate these struggles alone. And in fact, a pattern has been set for you of what it looks like to persevere, to walk through step by step, not always knowing how it's all going to work out, clinging tightly to Jesus. That's our call as a community, is to remind one another of that privilege that we have, being the recipients of God's grace, to push against our sense of, I'll just figure it all out, or I'll lean on my own resources, but to cling tightly to a Savior who has come alongside us to bring about our ultimate salvation. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will watch over each of us. I pray for Christians across the world, whether they find themselves in relatively safe spaces this morning or whether they, like in Ukraine, find themselves with their very lives in danger. God, I pray that you will be with them and that you will remind them and us that we are not alone as part of the church. Pray that as we receive the good word of hope of what you've done for us, Jesus, that that will encourage us, that that will keep us going, that we will persevere to the end. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, if you're able and, um, and willing, please.